0: Hey, what's up Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazers Edge Podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs here as always with Blazers Outsider Danny Meringue. Dan, what's new?
1: Wow, I went from Danny to Dan. I was like I, I grew up in a span of like a second. Yeah, and a half I like there. to keep
0: you on edge not knowing who what I'm gonna call you. So you have to pay attention. Yeah, no, that, that that
1: works. I mean if the worst thing you call me is Dan or Danny, I think we're we're doing okay. Well,
0: on the air anyway.
1: Exactly. What, what what happens off the air stays off the air. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. This is uh, this is normally a time of the year where I'm just miserable as far as basketball is concerned. But little uh, little game in in Africa mm-hmm. gets get to see a little bit of basketball. Did you watch that game? Weather's been nice. Did you wake yeah, oh, up early, yeah. early and get popcorn ready? Yeah. Uh, I, oh, I didn't wake up early so much as I DVR'd it and came back and got oh, to it.
0: Oh, I woke up, man. I was so excited. I couldn't wait a second longer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a long night dealing with a, a broke-down car the night before. So, um, yeah, no, I, uh, I I took my time and, and caught up on some much, much-needed sleep.
0: So did you enjoy the NBA Africa game?
1: Absolutely. Um, anytime you can watch Joel Embiid go to a... Uh, pump fake, drive by, behind the back, step back, fade away jumper against live competition. Um, I, I, I think it's it's good for all involved. I
0: felt like he was trying to do absolutely everything humanly possible that you could do. And it was wonderful. <laughs> it, it reminded me of, I don't know, it reminded me of like, the giant with like all the other people running around following him because he just was, mm-hmm. he just stood out so much compared to all the rest of the competition. Although there were... the the good,
1: I'll well, so the one thing I was going to take away from that is I've I I think I've retweeted like two or three different pictures from Joel Embiid's first interaction at NBA Africa in 2011. This guy has gone from the. Like, literally not playing basketball seven years mm-hmm. ago to, so like, one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. Can you think of anything on this planet where you, you could do it for seven years and be like, oh, okay, no, it's cool. I'm one of the best in the in the total world, this one particular yeah, thing. Yeah, well,
0: he must have put in that's his 10,000 hours, I guess. I don't know. Well, one of the things that right? I enjoy about watching Joel Embiid play is that even though he did come late to it, he clearly loves it. And that, you, that just comes through and the way he plays. I mean, he... <laughs> what doesn't that guy love? That guy has fun,
1: like, like getting up and taking a shower. Like, <laughs> that, that dude is the happiest guy on the face of the planet. It's, it's great. Petting
0: leopards or whatever kind of yeah. cats they were visiting. Yeah. I, I think the whole NBA Africa thing is really cool, and, you know, uh, Amino has spent a fair amount of time in Africa this summer because he had his camp several... Several weeks before, or at least, you know, the month before, he had his camp in Ibadan, and then they came back down to the Africa game in uh, South Africa. It was part of the Nelson Mandela 100th birthday celebration. But just, Mm -hmm. I think part of the fun of watching the game is they show all the other activities that everybody was involved with during the week. And you get to see, like, um, they had Harrison Barnes going out and going to lunch. And just, it was was fun to watch all that. But what did you think of our guy, Aminu? Did you uh, enjoy his highlights?
1: (laughs) Poor, poor Aminu. Because he didn't have the... He didn't have the best okay, game. Okay, so he had um, what did he have?
0: Five steals and six rebounds, and two points. He was good
1: on the defensive end. He was absolutely. He the offensively it was. Uh,
0: it was a struggle. Yeah, that
1: that uh, that that three pointer. That, <laughs> the end to tie the Twitter game. That was,
0: was the best. Oh God! He missed it. it. For people who missed it, he missed it so it went off the top of the backboard, and it was it was like the the count, the clock was ticking.
1: Nick Young was angry about that (laughs) shot.
0: It was, it was. I mean, when he missed, he when he misses, he really. It is a spectacular really mess, and it really it keeps it interesting. But what I was watching, so he had, like I said, five steals in that game, and a few of them led to transition buckets. And he's mm-hmm. he, he's not usually the person on the Trailblazers who starts those Ooh. transition steals. Or, or
1: finishes with them either. Right.
0: Well, and he had he had an as, at least one assist off of one of them too. Like he got down, back down, and got an assist. But I just I just I have, don't recall seeing him in that position. Of course, Deville McGee was also shooting three pointers, so it was there was a lot of crazy stuff going on. I love on the court.
1: NBA in the summer because you get stuff like that where guys will try anything. Yeah. I think he made
0: um, one. Yeah.
1: I can't remember or not, but I was thinking of this. I saw uh, Andre Drummond the other day said he's going every day at every practice or every shoot around wherever he's at. And he's hitting two hundred corner threes before he leaves. Oh, like like Andre Drummond yeah. is all of a sudden shooting threes. <laughs> if you remember a few years ago, there was a video that surfaced of Stephen Adams at practice hitting like twelve straight threes or something uh-huh. like that. Like everybody talks about like non shooters, and this is where you see like the experimentation stuff happen. I that's why. For all these stupid montage workout videos, there's a lot going on in the offseason that these guys do, mm-hmm. and it's, it's really awesome when you get to see them try things, because everybody talks about, well, this guy can do this, this guy can do this. In an NBA setting, in the regular season, playoffs, like, you, you're, you don't get the opportunity to do that. This is when these guys get a chance to actually, the, the, the hours they put in to, to try to figure this all out. This is when you get to try to see them try it, and the guys like Embiid, they will. Uh-huh. Like, like, hey, I learned a new move the other day. Let me go ahead and book this in. Like, there was he went to a camp with uh, I think it was Akeem uh, two years ago when he when he first came back from the, from his first injury, and there was a clip of him doing a dream shake almost perfectly. Uh-huh.
0: No, that's one of the things that like, fascinates it's some me of the most about him. Is you've ever seen. How much of basketball he's learned from YouTube and how well he can recreate it—it's really astounding. Oh, he's a sponge. Yeah, and I don't mean that he, like in a mean way. Sponge. Like, oh, he learned it off YouTube. No, no. he's a guy who watches tons and tons and tons and tons of, of video. But wait, to bring it to the Trailblazers, can you think about uh, in years past, in you know summers past? a player who has added Easy. something. I know Wesley yep. Matthews always used to add something, yep. but like, what's the one thing that used that is to the stand best example the to you?
1: The West Matthews is by far the best. When he example. added not even just in Blazers history. No, no, no all the way through. Okay. Like just this every is a year. guy who was an undraft. Yeah. He was an undrafted free agent goes to camp, does everything he can to stick with the jazz works with, uh, Jeff Hornacek day after day after day to, be, be able to find a way to stay on the court to develop a three-point shot. He becomes successful at that. Well, now he's a legit three-and-D guy. But beyond that, what does he have? So then he learns, you know, how to attack a closeout, a little pump fake, and a little, little uh, pull-up. Then he adds a, a hesitation dribble and the ability to get to the rim. N- nothing special, but just one go-to move. And every year, every year. And then he adds the post game. I mean, everybody remembers what what he did to James Harden in, in the playoffs in 2014. They, they, they played fine James Harden on, on defense and Wes posted him up with something like, was it six straight possessions? Like, from a guy who literally had no postgame coming into the NBA to posting up a guy in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, that's insane. Like, that level of development, that's like, I, I think that skews the board for everybody else is because a guy like Wes Matthews or a guy like Joel Embiid can develop something that they never had previously. So, not necessarily simply, but they make it look simple that I think a lot of people think that, you know, if you just put in the time, you can make this happen. Well, you can make this stuff happen. Like that video of Steven Adams shooting those threes, all these guys in the NBA can shoot in practice. Right. It's a very, very different circumstance. Or from their driveway. We have a
0: really very nice uh, history of Nick Stauskas hitting a whole bunch of threes from his driveway.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, these guys are unbelievable. Like, even though some of the worst shooters in the league will, in practice, they will just sit there and can from all over the floor. Like, it's it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is why I, I, I love the summertime. Is you, you get to see some of that experimentation, and you see that trial and error and, and where these guys have developed these things. And I, I think those are, those are my favorite things that come out of every summer for um, – Specifically, let's look at a recent one, uh, Damian Lillard. The ability to get to the free throw line. Like, Mm -hmm. it didn't just, like, the refs didn't all of a sudden start giving him credit. He learned how to adjust his body, how to jump later. That's that's another thing that gets overlooked when you talk about, like, like, uh, fine tuning mechanics, stuff like that. Somebody can be really good at getting to the rim, but, like, when you take off and where you take off from, if you go too early, if you go too late, if you go off, the, quote, unquote, the wrong foot, there's no wrong foot, it's, it's either right footed or left footed. but help some people interpret that um, to the, the best possible scenario to generate free throws or to get a better shot opportunity. Like these little microcosms that, that get changed around that make it so much more beneficial. I think a lot of that stuff doesn't necessarily show forth night in, night out until you look at this, it, like, you know, midway through the season, you're like, Wow, Dane went from not getting really to the free throw line all that well to being one of the best in the NBA at it. Well, like, where did that come from?
0: Maybe Aminu will start generating transition offense from his steals.
1: Hey, I'd be maybe all for it. I, I would love for the Blazers to be able to generate some, some free points. Uh,
0: one uh, little note for people who are interested in offseason stuff I listened to the Hoops Hike hype podcast with alex kennedy and he had drew hanlon on drew hanlon who works with uh myers leonard amongst other people also Joel Embiid and um lots of other jason guys. tatum uh, and it kelly was Oubre. so it's fascinating and if people there. are interested in that type of thing it was a really good deep deep look in um to how he does his work and how he chooses the players that he works with and how much he has to uh, believe in and like a player before he chooses to work with them. And uh, it was just really good. So if, if people are looking for content over the summer, because I know things slow way down, that's the Hoops Hype podcast and um, Alex Kennedy interviewing Drew Hanlon. I thought it was fascinating. But let's talk about somebody in the Blazers organization who's also been very busy this summer giving lots and lots of interviews. Like everywhere you turn around, yeah. you we hear from the uh, Blazers Oh, he's, I keep someone call him general manager, but he's not the general manager. President, President of basketball, basketball operations. operations, PBO, the, po-bono. the PNO, the PBO, uh, Neil mm-hmm. Olshay, uh, recently sat down with Brooke Dam and talked about this off season, lots of nuggets in the, um, in the interview. So I pulled out a couple that I would love to get your thoughts on. And I bet you, you've got mm-hmm. lots to share. I bet you've got thoughts, Dan. Am I right about that?
1: No. No, never.
0: <laughs> well, so I'm just going to dive right in. <coughs> One thing he talked about was uh, the trade exception, uh, which recently expired. His uh, what exact words were we thought for sure the Allen yeah. Crab trade exception would have huge value in the league. And like I said, teams are just not in the business of giving up quality players the way they were, because I think everybody understands they're going to have to pay the freight this summer for what everybody did back in 2016. And there just wasn't as many pieces in the marketplace to do the absorption deals we've seen in the past. Lots going on there. Yeah. All
1: right. Well, thanks for that, Neil. Um, Oh, that's a pretty good. That was a pretty good old shape. I'm not even gonna lie. You, you get the inflection just Thank right. Thank Um, so a lot, a lot of things to take away there. Um, so the first part is they got it dead wrong. Um,
0: that they thought that the, the the trade exception would have huge. TV, yeah, yeah. Like, did they did what I what I was trying to figure out? What did that's this what they're make? saying? Is... That's what they're saying publicly. Right. And and like like I. I mean, does that, does that imply that other teams were like, we have players that we don't want to have on our roster anymore, so we can, we can trade them to Portland. Cause look, they have this big trade exception that they can use. Um, is that what he there's was in a couple ways
1: that I'm looking at,
0: uh, there's a couple
1: way, ways that I'm looking at this. That, that could be one way, but one, one of the things that I was thinking about as I read this over and over and over again, because I was pushing my face into my hand as he said it. Um, How many times have Neil O'Shea and the Blazers recently admitted mistakes? Zero. Why is it all of a sudden this one is something they're admitting a mistake on?
0: I don't know. Do you have a good conspiracy theory? I I think this is because
1: it's such a minute thing that they could throw this out there as like, hey, we made a mistake. Uh, Sorry. Interesting. that that's something that everybody has been asking for is to have Neil O'Shea admit the mistakes. They, they're never going to admit the mistakes of 2016. Uh-huh.
0: I know that was amazing I mean, even, how we twi- like, turned it around. He, like everybody else, I think else everybody up.
1: understands they're going to have to pay the freight this summer for what everybody I'm doing air quotes right now did back in 2016. No, not what everybody did, Neil. What you, Mitch Kupchak, and somebody else did. That's that's the extent of it. There's like four teams that made horrifically just terrible, awful, no good, brutal contract yeah, n- offers.
0: Not everybody. Definitely not yeah. everybody.
1: Well, um, and I asked... So, yeah, that, that's a, that's my conspiracy theory about it. That's interesting. I
0: just, so you think that maybe they're they, like, they we'll, don't ever, we'll, we'll claim this one. We'll claim that we got
1: this yeah, one b- wrong. Because in, in the reality, at least in, in my mind... Like, we talked about it off air a ton. Like, I never thought the TPE was really going to be used. Uh-huh. I just, there was no way with the writing that was on the wall that they were willing to add money. And now, had they made a move like Moving Harkless or Moving Myers or something along that line to where bringing in a contract like Wilson Chandler's that was $13 million as opposed to, Harkless is ten, but they got a first round pick out of it, and then they could find a way to slash that payroll at the trade deadline to get under the 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 uh, tax line, which would be doable. It would be difficult, but be doable. Um, the extra first round pick may have been enough to justify doing it, but the the idea that the TPE was ever going to be used just
0: well, right? I mean, if they were, they never made. Why sense. wouldn't they have just kept Alan Crabbe then? I mean, were they worried about Alan Crabb uh, clogging up Pat Connaughton's development? I mean, that's my next question. No, <laughs> like,
1: I think they immediately knew after Crabb got paid that he wasn't going to be the answer and that they needed to move on from him sooner rather than later because his development was going to stagnate. They needed to go quickly because it was going to get... I mean, that's... Like, a, we're at the point right now where Evan, Evan Turner's contract is unmovable. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... it's really? It's is
0: it? I mean, they moved... Was it yeah. Mozgov's?
1: Okay, What's the difference? Everything is movable if you if you attach a you know, a twenty point per game score to it.
0: Okay. Like, <laughs> okay. So that's why because but, I have heard I've seen people talking about well, they've moved, you know, the all the other bad contracts have been moved.
1: Yeah. Okay, sure. You you could move Turner's contract, maybe if you put Collins in like a first together. Okay. So they've been like, moved the, because sure. they've been
0: attached to value, valuable things, which Plurin yeah, has never like Moskov
1: was attached to, to D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. Like, Russell, what do you think of him, you know, notwithstanding? He was a top tier pick on his rookie deal who was showing the potential to be a 20 point per game scorer and a, and a, if not a prototypical scoring guard in the NBA, a guy that would be that secondary option. Uh, and if you're the Nets, you were looking to get young talent for taking on those bad deals. So, yeah. I mean, that's you want to talk about the price of freight. There you go.
0: <laughs> there was just a lot of good, colorful phrases used in that whole tune, like the absorption deals we've seen in the past. Is that is that like a technical yeah. term that they use? I wasn't sure. Like he said um, it confidently enough that I thought maybe that's something that they throw around when they're like, "Well, let's. Do, what about if we, uh, have, we could do an absorption deal, as opposed to one that was just made yeah." Up on I, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure they say that. Like you know, they say absorption deals. Say, hey, we'll take your crap. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> yeah. i i I bet you that's that's probably what they avoid um still though um my favorite word is 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 much 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 clearer good old uh oh yeah right right sublimate
0: Uh, no i still but bifurcate is still my favorite i'm still gonna i mean that was from a previous press, (sighs) press conference but that's still my favorite word of the year
1: I think he's trolling us at this point.
0: (laughs) It could be. Well, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, The other thing that he talked about, or another thing that he talked about, which I alluded to, was, um, okay, here's this next one, about... Uh, not wanting to hold on to somebody so long that the player who was coming up and developing behind them wouldn't be able to flourish. So this was where he threw Ed Davis under the bus or just like, was like, we didn't need Ed or whatever. Like just kind of acted like Ed never brought anything to the team, which was like, okay. He said, uh, not, not a fan of this. We feel like we have internal solutions that will eventually be upgrades. And that was the deal. Ed is a veteran, and you can't bring Ed back and ask him to take on a reduced role, but if Ed comes back and plays the same role, it sublimates guys on the roster that we think have a higher ceiling and that eventually can bring more to the table. So I get the logic behind it, and then... I don't. Well, I mean, if if they're really trying to develop, they got to give people minutes. I mean that
1: you're a team bereft of talent and you're letting talent walk for basically. Never. Right.
0: But I think, and it's not, it, it's, this it,
1: if Ed Davis was actually in the way of Zach right. Collins developing, then I could believe that, but there's not six, seven front court. Right.
0: Guys. He wasn't in the way there, he there, was there's, there's helping four. it. <laughs> yeah. He was a huge, important and, part of it. <laughs> so, and this, is, this may
1: come as a surprise to people, but there was a name that was pretty much out of the entire press conference. I only heard his name mentioned twice, and it was about the veterans coming to Summer League, and that's Myers Leonard. Mm-hmm. I think the ulterior motive here for letting Davis go is that they want Myers to play, um, and that may sound crazy to some of you, um, and when I say they, I mean Neil Olshin. Mm-hmm. I believe he wants Myers to play to show that he either has value or he doesn't, so that they can either capitalize on that value either on the floor or in the trade uh-huh. market, or they can find a way to move on from him. Uh-huh. It's, I, I think this is like a make or break, and I think they want to they see what they have in him uh, as far as asset value, um, as far as the basketball side of things. What's the most common critique for Portland outside of consistent wing play? Is it shooting? Because I think it's shooting.
0: Well, <laughs> it's, aside from Damon CJ. You make yeah.
1: right. I mean, yeah. So what does Myers Leonard possibly give you shooting? So by moving Ed Davis, yes, you allow Zach Collins to get a few more minutes. It's not like Zach Collins is going to take Ed Davis's 18 minutes. That's not happening, folks. Mm-hmm. Like you're not going to see Zach Collins playing 36 minutes a night. If, if the trailblazers are, a lot of things have happened. And it's either gone really well and Zach Collins is a future all star or things are going very badly. Because they're, they're, for him to get going from playing 16 minutes and giving you four and three a night to giving you 36 minutes a night, that's that's kind of a okay, stretch. I want I to go back to what
0: you're saying about Myers, though, because uh, uh, Myers, like, why did they, like, you know, if if he's talking about being so concerned about player development, you know, CJ was one example of somebody that they waited too long to put in. Like, you know, Myers doesn't fit into that whole storyline. Myers is kind of an outlier. He
1: does if, and this is another thing that Olshay brought up during the press conference, the difference between trust and talent. I don't believe the coaching staff in Portland has much trust in Myers Leonard anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, If you talk to guys around the league, if you talk to guys that work out with Myers Leonard, who who work out with him in the summer and scrimmage against him, they will tell you that Myers Leonard is plenty talented. Mm -hmm. There's not a talent deficiency there. People may laugh, people may giggle, people may question that. I don't care. These are guys, these are players and and executives and personnel around the league that I have talked Mm -hmm. to. Like Myers Leonard does not have a talent deficiency. Um, And I think what Olshay was alluding to there was if Ed Davis isn't there, if... Somebody else isn't there to take minutes away from Myers. That there's no other solution. That you just trust the talent and let it find a way. Jeff Goldblum it. Just let Myers find a way.
0: So moving on from Ed isn't just about was twofold. Isn't just about it, yes. uh, getting out of the way of Collins's incredible development that we're oh, going to see this year. It's yeah. going to be about uh, like you said, like sort of make or break with Myers. Either what he needed was and time a, to do the it money. or he can't
1: like, if you wanted me to rank it in, in things that meant the most to the blazers, it's probably one money two Zach Collins, three forcing um, the coaching staff's hand with Myers Leonard.
0: Well, what did you think about uh, when he said that it took too, too long to get CJ into the rotation? Um,
1: do you well, agree? I mean, in a sense, sure. But, um, not over West Matthews. If right. he's talking about over Aaron Aflalo after West Matthews tore his Achilles, uh-huh. okay. But then again, he has to remember that he was the guy that made the move for Aaron Aflalo. Right. So yeah,
0: I, that that know. one didn't ring real <laughs> true with me. I was like, I think because yeah. like CJ's whole first year. He was injured. He was injured. And then the second year, you know, he got a little here, got a little there. Um, Did he get injured again? I heard
1: rumblings from out of practice that he he looked good Uh when he was in his first two years. But he did have problems with his Uh feet. And he did have an incumbent two-way terrific player. Yeah, a good
0: incumbent in that, West Matthews w- that, in was, that was well-matched with the rest of the main people yeah, on the is roster. Yeah, this isn't an Ed
1: Davis situation. Yeah. Like, Ed Davis is, is, a, is a reserve big, and a, granted, a fantastic reserve big. Wes Matthews was a true dyed-in-the-wool starter mm-hmm. that damn near any team in the league would take. Yeah. He was a 40% three-point shooter who could guard one through three.
0: Yeah. Like... What 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 more do you want? Yeah, that one didn't ring real so, real true with me, but I wanted to gauge what you thought about that. Yeah, no. Like, I, I no. Not that we
1: have he, to agree. <laughs> Wes, <but. laughs> Wes wasn't, gotta remember, the, uh, when you were talking about Neil O'Shea, it's about his guys. Mm-hmm. Wes Matthews was not his mm-hmm. guy. CJ's his guy. Nick Batum, not his uh-huh. guy. LaMarcus Aldridge, not his guy. Mm-hmm. CJ was his draft pick. Dame was de facto his draft mm-hmm. pick. Myers Leonard, his draft pick, Zach Collins' his draft pick. Like his draft picks are 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 his preciouses. Yeah. That, that that's his that's his ring right there. Like he will not let those guys how many the Will Barton and Alan Crabb, and here's here's the, like, the crazy thing here is that they gave away or he gave away Will Barton, one of his guys uh-huh. for Aaron O'Flow. Uh-huh. So you you wanna talk about like trying to create space and make room for your guys and guys that showed out. Like I heard a lot about Will Barton at practice.
0: Right. Not only did he get rid of Will Barton, he also didn't give really CJ any more playing time until Wes went down.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I I, I question that a little bit. Like, uh good point. So yeah that's that's kind of weird right there. I get what he's saying because it sounds really good in hindsight like hey, you know what we knew c j was great from day one <laughs> we should have got him out there earlier oh well, so like, there's another thing of-
0: that they that they said they did wrong that he said that they did wrong so there's there's two I, things
1: again but what <laughs> what impact does that have? It's right. very very yeah. very minimal it and neither has anything to do really with the current state of the team
0: mm-hmm Yeah, so more rhetoric than anything else. I have one last question on Neil's press conference, and I just knew as soon as he said that I just could picture you firing up your computer and start making your list. He said, (laughs) we identified five wings that all had playoff experience or veteran wings we thought we could get for the taxpayer (sighs) mid-level exception, and they all got more than the taxpayer mid-level. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah. Ooh, okay, so, so who do you think those
0: five wings were?
1: Okay, so give me a second here. I just thought of something. I did have... Um,
0: and tell me that you did immediately fire up your computer and start going and making your uh, list. I, I, you I did.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I I, started to look at it. And uh, you did the
0: like crack your knuckles thing and then moved your yeah, fingers. Yeah, it was full falling like,
1: <laughs> wait a second. So, like, I actually put it on a tweet that she said in his interview with Brookles and then that Portland targeted five wings in free agency. He recruited and pitched them all and got, and all of them got more than the 5.3 taxpayer MLE they had to offer. And now I have to go check what five playoff veteran wing free agents got more than 5.3 million okay this offseason. So, what's the list now? I, I had um responses. That included Hizonia, Bellinelli, McDermott, uh, Ellington, Joe Harris, um, Tyreek Evans, Bielitsa, Dante Cunningham, James Ennis, Urson Isova, Anthony Tolliver, Gerald Green, Rudy Gay, Gary Harris, Will Barton. I think that was the full list of everybody that was sent to me. And I narrowed it down really to... There's a ton of guys you can remove there. If you're talking about playoff caliber guys, throw his own yaw off there. He's never been in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Um, Dante Cunningham is a, a power forward. Stop. Uh-huh. Uh, Anthony Tolliver, again, power forward. Stop. Um, so you start getting down to like who who got close. Well, Wayne Ellington was six point two million. Tyreek and oh, I uh JJ Reddick. I mean again, not, these are these are guys who I think would help pull uh-huh. on a ton. Um uh, Tyreek Evans, twelve million one year. Reddick, twelve million one year. Ariza was the big money guy, one year fifteen million. Rudy Gay, one year ten million. McDermott, I think, was right on the line um, as far as like what she would consider. He did get some playoff time with Oklahoma City uh, Thunder, but I don't know. He got paid decently well. He was the only one that really got multiple years out of anybody. He got seven mil uh, or a little over seven mil a year on a three year deal. Uh, Marco Bellinelli got a two year, twelve million dollar deal, so he got six million per all of those guys are more than the five point three that Portland had to offer, if you believe that. So then you take a look at that. So you um, think that
0: the that there just wasn't even there's like Like if you were working in the war room there on uh, during free agency, and they said, "Dan, go get us a list of five wings that have playoff experience, who we can get for, we can reasonably expect to get for the mid-level exception, which for us is five point three million dollars," you would have been like, "Who?" And and you you maybe could have come up with uh, McDermott, Ellington. Belly. Bellinelli, Mbamute. Well, remember, I, I, I left Mbamute oh, out because
1: he it. took, he took less. He's the one than what Portland had to offer. Yes. So,
0: so one person so, you think would have actually maybe been. He's about the only if one. that
1: was somebody. If that was somebody who again, and, and here's the other thing is Mbamute took less and is playing in Los Angeles and not for the Lakers mm-hmm. for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. So you're not getting the big time exposure of the LeBron Lakers. You're the Clippers where you've got tax hell in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, worse than a situation in Oregon. And for everybody who's going to get all irritated about the economics and millionaires paying taxes, I don't care. I'm talking about free agency. <laughs> that stuff matters to these guys. The difference between playing in Texas or Florida, or basically anywhere else in the
0: country is a massive difference in money. Um, so you have a hard time believing t- that there were five wings that all had playoff and veteran experience that could have been gotten that
1: for, were going to be for that yeah. price. Yeah, I just I don't think those guys ever really existed in the first place. Mm-hmm. Now, they could have written five guys down. I yeah. don't doubt that at yeah. all. Uh, but there was a point in that where Olshay said, like, it's not like we went down our list and got progressively worse guys or, or, or less valuable guys on our, on our list. Well, yeah, you did because <laughs> you didn't get any of those five. If you wanted the other guys, you would have had them on your well, list. Well, I took
0: that to mean so that like, they just pivoted to a different strategy, which was to get shooters.
1: Which was to get a, a wingish uh, Nick Stauskas on a on a vet minimum on the first day, like that's that's
0: weird. Yeah, that. Yeah, it seems like if the, they would have they made maybe would have taken a little bit longer. That was kind of like, <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. Well. And then you look at the the order
1: of events. Gary Trent Jr. All of a sudden's got you know his contract done, and that's the the, the, the it came out of the MLE money. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. They were, they were like, I be, I had to look at the sequence of events, but if I'm remembering it correctly, I believe Gary Trent Jr. got his money before Emba Mute signed with the Clippers. I'll have to double check that. I'll verify it before we, we, we post this. Um, but I'm almost certain that's the case. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that seems a little bit weird. Like, we, again, you don't ever hear about the leaks coming out of, or you don't ever hear anything leaked about Portland unless the Blazers won it. Leaked. Uh-huh. But I never heard the Blazers tied to any. Um, Wings other than Hazonia, and that was a cursory mention through uh, mm-hmm. Woj. Yeah. So, that
0: we're not even sure if it was a real thing or if it was a slip up, because that was when Woj accidentally yeah. tweeted it out that Portland had come to an agreement with it, and then he immediately followed it up with New York. So. There's yeah. there's a bit of mystery behind there. So are you developing a, a conspiracy theory about what this story is all about, <laughs> what it actually really means, like what their real what their plan was. It sounds was? good. Mm-hmm. It sounds good. Yeah,
1: that's that's how I look at it. It's um it's not pretty. So I I, I just looked and Gary Trent Jr. signed. Um, yeah, he signed his contract beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Gary Trent Jr. signed on the sixth, and then there was there was a. There was a couple things that I noticed, uh, again, that from, from States press conference, where he highlighted July 5th as, like, the day. He mentioned July 5th a couple different times. Okay. Well, just so, just coincidentally enough, a day later, Gary Train Jr. signed his deal. So they pivoted pretty damn hard to... Uh, you know away from those five wings very quickly if July 5th was the day and then you know your second round pick who doesn't have guaranteed money all of a sudden had a three year guaranteed money deal out of the MLE that you were supposedly using for those five wings or to pick up one of those wings from those five
0: how how much of any of that was dependent on what Nurkic did were they are they completely separate or did they have to be taken into account together
1: no, nah, I, th- I think they were separate entities. Uh-huh. Um, it couldn't have been like they would reached following... a
0: place with Nurkic where they realized how much they were going to have to spend, and I think
1: they knew a while ago. Uh-huh. Remember, we we had talked about this off the air whether it was the the toxic method was obviously Nurkic getting the the twelve million or the uh, qualifying uh-huh. offer, and you asked me what number was the right number for Nurkic, and it was twelve million. And if you really pressed me and You know, broke the fingers, then Mm thirteen. But beyond that, I wasn't, I wasn't budging. And lo and behold, the number they landed on was slightly over Mm twelve. So, um, I think they they they've known that number for a for a couple weeks. um, Okay, well, between uh, the the Blazers and Nurkic's agent,
0: right? Anything else you want to remark on about the press conference?
1: So, like, it's not a secret that I don't necessarily care for how Neil O'Shea gets defensive about a lot of things. Um, when, you know, he was the one that created the situation or is the face for putting himself in those situations with the summer of 2016. But when he started to talk about the you know, the first, like, four minutes of that interview with Brooke...
0: Yeah, that's right. That was
1: that was a very different Neil O'Shea than I had seen in any of the other press conferences, interviews, or anything like that. Like, he was endearing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I was... It was... It was it was really strange. I, 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 instead of finding myself squinting, rolling my eyes, sighing, or face palming, he had me like nodding in agreement for him. What minute. do you like, think
0: it was okay, it about I what, what you were saying. saying that that made you feel that way?
1: It sounded honest and genuine. Okay, and I know that sounds awful, but I I just don't like him and Danny Ainge, Doc Rivers. Um, are three guys that, with their talking, I just don't trust them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are some of the best in the league, and this is this is the, this, this is going to sound like a shot, but I think it's credit to them because I think that's their brand. Yeah, that's what they're supposed they to are, do. They are continual positivity salesmen, and they're good at mm-hmm. it. Like that's I just want like I. It's weird. I, I don't. I don't know how to put it any other way. I, I, I. thought that the first couple minutes were very, very different than anything I had seen from him previously um, when discussing the Blazers.
0: Huh. I. I just. I'm. I'm curious. If, I now. I got to go back and watch it again because I'm wondering what it. What it was about it. Because I. I did hear some people talk about when he did a few of the summer league interviews. Where he just was mm-hmm. kind of came in and just kind of talked off the top of his head. I did hear a few people say, "Well, he seemed really pretty, pretty genuine in there. Like he wasn't trying to sell us mm-hmm. something." So maybe it was just you know because it was the beginning of the interview and they were settling in and he hadn't gotten fully. It into It wasn't on scripted questions yet. Mode yet, yeah. and he hadn't had to get defensive. of I mean, he had to know all. I mean, Brooke did a great job, and he had to have known all those questions were coming. And she did a really good job of of asking him. Yeah,
1: those questions. Like, listen, this this isn't a, a knock on the Trailblazers. Again, this is how it was done. I mean, Brooke is an employee of the Portland Trailblazers. For anybody who doesn't understand that, the Brooke works for the Portland Trailblazers. This is not an interview mm-hmm. where Neil O'Shea was pressed by a reporter. Yeah, so it wasn't going to be the hard hitting
0: like. Gotcha. No,
1: and those, <laughs> then those questions are going to be vetted. They're going to be understood. They're going to set the table for Neil O'Shea to lay out basically his State of the Union or his agenda. Like, that's what that was. Um, and I, I honestly, I think it was better than I anticipated. Obviously, there were some things in there that made me just, huh, obviously the TPE being the biggest one. Um, but I, I thought Brooke did a fantastic job. And like I said, there were times in that interview where like Olshay had been nodding my head and that's the first time maybe that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. So like if he was more like that more often, I I think he would probably get a lot more slack, maybe not a lot more, but a little bit more. Um, I know it's impossible, but if, if, if they ever came out and admitted the mistakes of 2016 and the reason you can't do it are are, are multiple, obviously you're you're talking about guys that are still on your roster and you're calling them a mistake. That's not, that's not going to go over well. Um, but like, if, if he's here beyond those contracts and they ever and he ever talks about those like publicly, I, I think that would go a long way towards repairing a lot of a lot of the issues.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: As weird as that may seem.
0: I was really hoping you're going to work sublimate in there somehow. Uh, I was going to try no, to, but I really uh, can't. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. I cannot figure out how to use that word correctly in a sentence and I wouldn't want to try. But OK, so the the off season is what it is. You know, barring some, you know, total shock, uh, the, the deals are done. The major things have gone kind of a snoozer, uh, you know, league wide, there was a lot of excitement, but for in Portland, I personally thought it was a little bit of a, of a snoozer crickets. Um, I wrote a thing on, and, uh, Blazers Edge about it today, asking people what they mm-hmm. thought was the most exciting Blazers off season. and I I chose the word exciting carefully because I didn't mean it. I didn't necessarily mean it needed to be the best. Just like which one was the most exciting. So, in your opinion, what was the most exciting Blazers off season?
1: Um, I kind of rule out the obviously the one that I wasn't alive for, and that's setting up the. Uh, Blazers championship year. Um, I was a child when Clyde Drexler was drafted, so those those are all great and everything. But for me, like the the formative years of of my my Blazerhood, um, I think it was what '97. The the groundwork that was laid for the '99 2000 team. Mm-hmm. So you you get you get Pippen, you get Rasheed. Like you start really. Yeah building Pippen didn't this come franchise. until '99. I'm sorry. Yeah. Not, no, sorry. It was '99. Thank you. Yeah. One um,
0: of the that was one of the most popular answers was 1999. That was yeah. when I brought up because that was the year they traded six players for Scottie Pippen, and then they got Stacey Ogman back, which was the best part of it. I loved that. The the plastic. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. Yeah. Um, that was definitely um, that was definitely exciting.
1: Yeah, that was a fantastic one um 2006 and then 2007 um Brandon Roy for me was was huge mm-hmm. um like trading trading Tyrus Thomas and Victor Curiapa for LaMarcus Aldridge was had me through the roof I had watched like uh, you were truly uh, excited Texas. about that like you thought it was exciting. Oh, yeah, like no, the, the definition of yeah. what I was
0: asking was like oh this is exciting yeah. what's gonna happen
1: yeah, okay. I I was a huge LaMarcus fan at Texas. Uh-huh. um Ironically, at the time, I thought he'd be more Marcus Camby than anything else because he was a Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year, real long, uh-huh. le- le- lean as lean, could be, yeah, made Kevin Durant look skinny. skinny. Uh, so I I was stoked for that. Like I was like, oh man, this guy could be one of you know a Marcus Camby type player. If he ever gets an offensive game, great, cool, awesome. Uh, and then Brandon Roy immediately became my, one of my favorite players of all time. And then who could forget Honk once or Honk twice? Yeah,
0: two thousand eight. Is that was that the year? With yeah.
1: The... So going into that mm-hmm. year with uh with Odin or excuse me, two thousand seven, yeah. Um He was drafted in two thousand seven into okay. the, go, going into that year, um I remember the draft lottery. Uh-huh. And when it came down to the final two and holy crap, the Blazers got the first pick. I remember screaming and yelling, jumping up and down. I I, I live down the street from my parents, and I ran down the street <laughs> to, to to my dad's house, uh, to my mom and dad's house. And my, I remember my dad was was up in his shop working, and he had his stereo on. And I'm screaming over the top of it. We got the first pick.
0: So that's 2007 when they and, got the first. Okay, setting up the yeah, excitement so, for the whole rest of the summer.
1: Yeah, so it was just that that feeling of winning that lottery when it was. I don't think it, if you weren't old enough or you weren't really watching the NBA then, the Greg Oden and Kevin Durant were both can't miss. Mm-hmm. Like pe- people talking about. I a fight like, with somebody taking, about this
0: last night. <laughs> It's never going away.
1: The the, the idea that Kevin Durant was a can't-miss prospect who was going to win scoring titles. Like, that was the hyperbole that was tossed around him. Like, But obviously, it wasn't. Um, And they still took Odin over him. Like, that's the level of which Odin was celebrated. Mm -hmm. Like, he was going to be the next, you know, David Robinson. Mm -hmm. He was going to just... Take the Blazers along with Brandon Roy and Lamarcus Aldridge to the promised land. So that whole period, along with the setup of the the uh, the ninety nine two thousand team, was th- those are easily my two favorites. Yeah, those
0: were two those were two uh, popular answers. Yeah, two thousand seven. I hadn't even thought of the added excitement of two thousand seven where first the lottery happened and then the draft happened and, and cause I was thinking about the draft, but I hadn't thought about the extra excitement of the lottery. And I love the idea of young Danny winning the golden ticket and running <laughs> outside and running mm-hmm. over to your parents. I've got, we got the golden ticket.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, that's basically that's what, what it felt it was. like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was insane. I, I literally was jumping up and down screaming and yelling. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was a maniacal, child at that point i just like i could not believe it um
0: <laughs> well you were also pretty, yeah, you was, were pretty, pretty young at that time too yeah i wasn't as uh i wasn't as into the minutiae of what the team was doing uh back in in those days so like you know had i had more time to think about it and you know read the whole entire history of it i think that would have been one of my answers but the thing that that i said was the the i thought that the Uh, summer that LaMarcus left was really exciting because there were a lot of changes and it was a lot of new people that we had to figure out what's going on. I wasn't necessarily saying it was the best summer, but I did think it was exciting because there was a lot going on.
1: Yeah, I honestly, um, I like busy summers. Yeah, <laughs> busy, busy summers are fun. That's why we're,
0: that's why we're um, looking back, you know, twenty years to try to remember what, they, yeah, <laughs> what that know. feeling was. I saw like. some
1: people were talking about twenty fifteen was a busy summer. I don't know if twenty fifteen well, was a busy summer as much as it was just an exodus. No, that was um, the one I, I, I said because there
0: was a lot going on, and in, t- in terms of exciting, there was a lot going on.
1: I don't know if that's really exciting. Yeah.
0: Well, for me, it was because I mean, I was ve- I was sad to see lamarcus go but i understood that there was going to be a new team built around damien and i really 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 liked damien and i was excited to see what that was going to be like and and i just for me i also just really like learning about new players and that was you know an opportunity to learn about a lot of new players because a lot of new players came in but I get, I, you know, everybody's, Ugh. there's no one right answer. That's why this is a good question, because there's no one right answer. Of course, you probably think there's a right answer, but <laughs> I don't believe that there's one right answer. Well, I think, I think there's we've... always a right answer. <laughs> yeah. And it's yours, right? Yeah. No. Um, I don't know. We've, <laughs> I just thought what I implied
1: was it well whatsoever.
0: <laughs> no, but, um, uh, but I know that's what you're thinking. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I'm not wrong Fair about enough. that. Am I? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, should we leave it off there this week?
1: Yeah, let's touch on one last thing. Uh, Vegas odds came in mm-hmm. because we, we love gambling here, and more than likely, gambling is going to be legal here in the state of Oregon
0: <sighs> and sports betting here very, very soon. I have a whole host of things we need to discuss about that, not tonight because <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to, I'm yeah, trying that's, to that's... understand the ethics that are going, the way that we... things are going to be. How we're going to have to like suddenly, uh,
1: yeah. There's discuss it openly. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a little weird yeah. for some people that aren't used to the openness of it. But I'll tell you what, if you, if you're a soccer fan at all, you've been exposed to it your, the entire time. You've been watching soccer, particularly. I mean, outside of the U.S. Well, I
0: think so. I think there's going to be a lot of unintended consequences. Not all of which I necessarily think are going to be bad. Like I don't mean like that mm-hmm. ominous, but I think there are going to be a lot of things that happened that nobody could have predicted. And I think a lot of them are going to have ethical implications, but let's talk about the odds that came out today as an introduction.
1: So there we go. This, this will be the uh, the opening teaser trailer into the further gambling discussion. Yeah. Um, so Portland came in at 41 and a half. Um, that's the over under for anybody not familiar. That's the, that's not a projection. Right. Okay. That's a betting line
0: these are the things that, that not, they think people are going th- these are based on how they think these are to are entice bets. bets
1: yes this is to entice bets this is not a projection which is why the lakers are um,
0: ridiculously high
1: depending on which book you look at but yes there there have been there have been some that uh where one was the laker was six uh, the, the over was 62 and a half <laughs> so um and then i think uh the las vegas sports book which is basically the, the prominent las vegas book um that has portland at 41 and a half i believe had the lakers at 48.5 yeah yeah so um this is not a take the under take the over uh discussion because this isn't the 27 and a half that came out in 2014 15 where that was you want to get a betting line going there you go um, I honestly, I think this is a fair line. Mm-hmm. Um, the early simulations that I've run, I have Portland at 43 and a half or just under, or just under 43 and a half, 43.4 is what I've gotten through the simulations. And I'm running that through using last year's schedule. Mm-hmm. So once this year's schedule comes in, I'll go ahead and, and run it again and see what pops out. So you take um, the,
0: you add the new players and take out the old players and run the simulations based on last year's schedule. Mm-hmm. That's how that, that's how that goes. That's how you that, get your numbers. That's
1: what that that's what I do every mm-hmm. year until the new schedule comes out. And once the new schedule comes out and I, I have a couple things that I factor in for, um, back to back travel. Um, I do m- make my own manual adjustments, um, to like for the... my final one. So if there's a back to back, um, say Sacramento, uh, and the Lakers, uh-huh. and you're going from Sacramento to the play, of the Lakers on a Friday night or Saturday night, there's like an 85% <laughs> chance if, if the game the game is marked as a win against Los Angeles, I'm going go to change, ahead and change it to a that. loss. Yeah. So because because Saturday night nightlife in Los Angeles on a back to back, it's damn yeah. near undefeated.
0: Do you also make manual adjustments based on player like improvement from one year to the next, or do you do any adjustments do in, of the yes. players' actual numbers? Do. I do
1: that on my
0: own personal model
1: when I'm trying to factor in, like, okay, I, I don't use uh, plus minus or RPM. Mm-hmm. I use my own metrics that I've worked with different people on. Um, like, Zach Collins has a, had a negative RPM last year. uh uh-huh. um, I, I don't think necessarily he's a negative RPM player. I would adjust him to a slightly above average um, RPM player. So, a a net zero Mm -hmm. as opposed to a negative. Um, So, I'll make slight adjustments like that. What I I do is I have my model that's pure simulation, Mm -hmm. and then I have a copy of that that I make my adjustments to, and that's ultimately what I end up using um, for my, like, when I talk about my projections, like, I'll I'll put it out, you know, before, I put it out once at the beginning of the year, and then I don't touch it, so I've got my, my one, my one sanctity, piece of sanctity, you know, this is yeah yeah this is the, hey here it is you want receipts here it is yeah <laughs> it's there every year um and i've been right there um pretty much every year i had under last year i i had the blazers at uh, 46.8 so 47 well, you last were year. wrong
0: about that mister
1: yeah i know um i had them i think at 42 point something uh the year before when they won 44 mm-hmm. um and I believe their, their over under was forty one and a half that year too, or forty and a half. I think it was right where it was, um, but so yeah, for the most part, like I am pretty good on this. So I, and I think that Vegas is the line here is good. I know a lot of people are like oh bet the over, bet the over, bet the over. Portland is due for some bad injury luck, and I know <gasps> knock on all the way, but
0: don't say those the, things the, out loud.
1: I know the basketball gods they 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 come around like they, Portland has not had. Anybody of consequence missed serious time in almost three years? Like, that's that's nuts. Like, that's 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 crazy. Well, so, I mean,
0: uh, so like, no one's had like a year long or a or season two month long thing since a, a, a six eight
1: week. Yeah, I mean, Wes was it. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody else has had anything. And Nurkic close just came to in, that.
0: like the last game of the season, so that didn't count. I mean, yeah. it was in the middle of the season. And Park again, West we're only talking about
1: a couple weeks here or there, yeah. like two, two to three week injuries. Yeah. They suck, but we're not talking about, you know, yeah. Chris Paul missing a huge chunk of the season, Steph Curry right. missing a huge chunk of the season. Well, like don't give the basketball
0: that, gods any ideas.
1: Hey, I'm just saying just statistically speaking, Portland is due. So, well. um, I, uh, that, that 41 and a half scares me a little bit. I'm like I said, I'm slightly higher on it. Uh huh. But, again, these these are numbers used to generate bets, and I, I think the reason why that number is so low is because Vegas, like any other person out there who's smart about building these models and to drive these bets, is thinking that Portland is due for some, some bad injury luck. And that will cause Portland to fall down. And, and at 41.5, if you're looking at how they structure it, they do have the Portland Trailblazers missing the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's, that also mirrors what ESPN put out.
0: Well, we have a lot more to talk about. The other reason they put out these betting odds is to give us something to talk about in the off season. And I think Mm -hmm. that for this week, we're thankful for that. Yes, I think for this week, we've probably just about done as much as we possibly can. And hopefully next week, somebody will put out something else or somebody else will have a press conference that we can talk a whole bunch about. Um, But I think that's probably, we should probably wrap it up here. Do you have? Yeah, when
1: we're pining for press conferences, that's a problem.
0: I know. It was uh, first. It was when we were um, hoping for Michael Beasley, and now we're hoping for press conferences. That's that's what
1: we've Please, become. Please, <laughs> somebody talk to me.
0: Well, in any God. case, it's been good to talk to you. Um, I can be found at TCB Bigs on Twitter, and you can find the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks. Why don't you take us out of here?
1: Alright folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMRANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G We are a part of the Almighty Baller Podcast Radio Network Like, subscribe, rate, do all those good things on iTunes Unsubscribe, rate, review, do it all over again Um, because we'd like to take advantage of things Uh, As far as things coming up for the Blazers Outsiders, the Rip City Cornhole Tournament is taking place August 19th at the Motor Center Parking Garage region area Uh, Joe Shane and I will be down there Um playing cornhole uh if you want you can get down there and get a thick part of the
0: i still can't Rip understand City. this or picture this or understand what's going to happen like I, I guess i'm just going to to come see it like
1: you're, you're going to come down there and see it. it's not like a, it's not like it's that far come on
0: is it like yeah. multiple cornhole games going on all at once is oh yeah leading up to oh, it's yeah. like an elimination tournament
1: Yes. And are, are these foreign like
0: foreign already foreign. established competitive cornhole teams, or I, I, I don't know.
1: I, I'm assuming there'd be there'd be some cornhole ringers. Uh uh-huh. huh. Like, they, like there are professionals out there. That like is, there's cornhole's actually on ESPN. I, know, I
0: saw that. When did that become a sport? <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know. Yeah. Speaking of sports, you know, Blizzard Five Gaming lost this weekend. I don't want to talk about it yet see I told you told you last week know, it's them. your fault it's your fault if you hadn't <laughs> pointed it out it never would have happened so thanks a lot yeah. Dan I was totally blaming this one on you alright yep
1: so that's, that's 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 it for us uh, as far as the Outsiders crew we've got some cool, cool, other cool things coming up that we'll hopefully be able to announce here in the coming weeks other than that folks um, thanks for listening catch us next week if you've got questions hit us up on Twitter hit us up on Instagram uh, Blazers Edge um Twitter as well, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care, everybody. Bye.